You are listening to sermon audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net. So if you are a guest with us this morning here in the room or listening online, we just want to welcome you. We're so glad that you're here with us. I'm Jay Messenger. For those of you who I haven't had a chance to meet, I am the lead pastor here. And this morning we're starting a brand new series, especially with it being fall here. And fall brings a lot of um, images and memories and experiences back for me, and it probably does for a number of you as well. I mean, this is when kids go back to school, right? And it's also when young adults begin to head off to college. And some of you as parents are walking that road right now. Maybe you're sending your first off to college or you're sending other kids off to college or maybe even anticipating that in future years. We've walked that road with all three of our our kids. They're all young adults now. We've had the experience of sending them all off to college for the first time at this time of the year. And uh, I certainly remember that experience um, for me personally, it's many years ago, but I still remember it. Uh, I wanted to go away to school, and that was something that I had always known I wanted to do. I wanted to get as far away from my family as I could. It's not because I didn't like them, and not because I didn't love them. I did both, but I knew that for me, for me to really begin to own my life and own my relationship with God, I needed to go and have an away from family experience. It's just what I needed to do. So I went as far away as I could get and still stay in the state and pay in-state tuition. So I went to Southern Oregon State down in Ashland. And I went with a friend who um, I had been in student ministry with, but he and I were, were friends, but not super close friends. And really, it didn't help very much for us to go to Southern Oregon State together. I was still pretty much on my own. And I remember just feeling so overwhelmed going into this new experience, this, this never-before experience, and not knowing really what to expect and not knowing anybody. And some of you as parents have been there and have wrestled with those feelings as you're sending a young adult child to another school and just wondering what's it going to be like for them and having legitimate concerns for them. Well, I was concerned about what that was going to be like for me. And one of the things that Southern Oregon State did and a number of colleges and universities do is for incoming freshmen, they had this orientation team that went out of their way to help you find your way to classes and get settled in and to befriend you and to start extending community to you. And that was true for me. And there was one guy in particular, his name was John. And John um, just was this really friendly guy. And you could tell that he really was genuine. He wasn't just befriending me because it was his job as one of the orientation members, he really did want to strike up a friendship. And I welcomed that. And John became a very good friend. In fact, John and I are still friends many, many, many years later here. But I'll never forget, as John was spending time with me in the weeks and months to come, and as we really began to get to know one another and truly become good friends, I remembered this one conversation, and it really was a defining moment for me, As we were walking back to our residence hall, we're walking down this sidewalk, and I remember him saying, Jay, there's there's something I need to tell you. And I thought, okay, and clearly the conversation was shifting from what we had been talking about to a more serious note. And he said, well, it's something I've been thinking about talking to you about for a long time, and we we just need to talk about it. I said, okay, just tell me what it is. And he said, well, I haven't entrusted this to very many people, but... I want you to know that, that I'm gay. 
And there was this silence between us. And for me personally, it was the first time a friend or someone close to me had entrusted that part of their life to me. And it spoke volumes about the safety of our friendship, that he felt like he could, he could entrust that to me. And so that started a whole series of conversations in the weeks and months and even years that were to come between John and me. John was not a Jesus follower, but very, very spiritual. And so we had a lot of incredible conversations. But I was struck by the reality that the conversations John and I were having in private between us interpersonally as friends have now become a much broader and more frequent conversation that is taking place in our culture. All sides would agree, if you want to construe it as that, wherever you fall on the spectrum of what you believe about sexuality, issues of sexuality are now a common part of our, our public discourse, for better or worse. They're out there and they're happening. And as I mentioned in the Facebook sermon preview that we uploaded this week, as we do every week with the sermons we're anticipating, you know, walking through together each Sunday, if you want to stir up some controversy or if you want to have a spirited discussion, you either bring up politics or you bring up issues of sexuality and you are off to the races. And so a number of you, very reasonably, in the weeks that have preceded this, and even this week, have called me or emailed me or texted me and reasonably asked, why are we doing a six-week series on sexuality? Why are we engaging on one of the most divisive, polarizing, difficult, awkward, complicated conversations you can have? And one of the main reasons we are choosing to steer into this is because if there is a creator God, if he is a relational God, if he has created us for right relationship with him and right relationship with others, then he and his word have something to say about our lives and especially about our sexuality. And therefore, we need to have that discussion. We need to listen to his word and internalize it and process it together. Because for those of us who are Jesus followers, his word is the foundation for how we live our lives. So that's why we're going there. But let's talk about how we're going to go there. For the benefit of our online um, community, they can't see that I'm sitting on a stool by a table and that we're having a conversation. But that's exactly the kind of tone that we want to set from the onset with this series is we're not looking to stir controversy, we're not looking to um, cause debate, but we are looking to have conversation, to have dialogue. So let's talk about what this looks like. If God is the creator, if he designed our sexuality, then he has something to say about it. But on the same token, we want to make sure that our conversation is rooted and founded upon God's word, his revealed word. And so this week and next week, we're gonna be very deliberately setting that foundation as we go forward with this series. But also, I would call you back to what we talked about last week, is that this series will not be about condemnation. Because actually, that is not our side of the street. God is the one who condemns, not the church and not us, and let's define terms here. Remember, like we talked about last week, that condemnation is not the first resort of God. It is always the last resort of God. 
And prior to his condemnation is chance after chance after chance to repent, to turn back from him, to seek his forgiveness, to seek right relationship with him. His grace always, always, always precedes his condemnation. And oftentimes what you'll hear in our culture, or maybe you've even said it yourself, I have said it myself at times in my life. Don't judge me. Well, really what we're saying if we're defining terms is we're saying don't condemn me. And that's exactly right. However, Scripture does call us in unqualified terms based on the Word of God, led by the Holy Spirit to make wise judgments about our life. And everybody does that. Every day, whether you know Jesus or not, you are making judgments about your life. And we are called to make wise judgments about our life rooted in the Word of God. So we will unapologetically look at what God's Word has to say for our lives because we are looking for dialogue and discussion through this series. We're not looking to cause debate. We recognize and realize there will be disagreement, and and that's okay. We're not looking to necessarily stir up controversy, though, but we do need to talk about this. And as always, what we talk about here on Sunday mornings is for Jesus followers. We will be speaking to those of you who know and love Jesus. Now, as always, anyone is welcome to listen in on this, and we expect and hope that everybody possible will be listening in on this, wherever you are in your spiritual journey. But we are primarily speaking to Jesus followers, just like we do every Sunday, And therefore, the reality is we're all in process. I'm in process. You're in process. It is is good for us to be in process. But we need to define some things with that as well. In this series, you will be challenged at some point about what you believe, what you understand the Word of God to be saying. It's quite possible in this series that at some point, you will even be offended. We are not trying to cause offense, but the reality is the gospel can and is be and, and can be and is at times offensive. Because someone wise once said, you know you've heard from the real Jesus when you're offended or you fall at his feet in worship. And I would challenge you to go back to the New Testament and to look at Jesus' dialogues with people and usually Those were the two main responses. Not a lot of middle ground. People were challenged and sometimes offended by Jesus or they fell at his feet in worship. And that's the reality of the gospel. But with that being said as well, we also know and appreciate that there are pain points when it comes to our sexuality. Points of pain that we may not be talking specifically about at all, but It reminds you of a past wound, a present reality, and there's pain associated with that. We are not looking to inflict unnecessary pain with this. But we do recognize and realize that that is a reality that that could happen with this. And so with that in mind, we want to make a number of resources available to you because one of the outcomes that we're hoping for us as a church family is to put in your hands additional resources that can be a help to you, that can steer you back to God's word because this is complicated and it's profoundly personal. You talk about issues of sexuality, now you're talking about really identity for all of us. 
but you're also talking about something that's intimate and, and personal and it can be complicated. And so we want to steer into this and give you the best resources possible. So what I'm going to ask you to do is probably something that you haven't done at church in a long time, but probably for a number of you, you probably do it every Sunday. Will you take out your phone if you don't have your phone out already? Yes, you are being given blessing to take out your phone. And what you're going to do is sign on to Papa Murphy's and order me <laughs> a barbecue chicken pizza. My address is 3324. Just kidding. You can do that later. But pull out your phone and open your browser with me here because there is a resource we want to make available to you and this is going to be present every Sunday of this series as we're walking through this together. We're going to open up this browser on our phones and it doesn't matter which browser you use but for the benefit of our online community I'm going to spell this out. You're going to write in meet.ps forward slash series intro. And that's going to take you to a website. And with this website, you will be able to post questions and comments. And let's talk about that for a little bit. So we expect and hope that this will provoke questions in you as we progress through this series. And due to probably the volume of questions we're going to get, we're not going to be able to respond personally to every person's question. But this is what I promise we will do, is you'll have the opportunity and so will our online community to dialogue with us by posting these questions until noon tomorrow. Because very deliberately, after the sermon today, as you're thinking about things tonight or even tomorrow, we wanna give you the freedom to be able to post those questions as you continue to process. But at noon tomorrow, this is gonna close, and then the preaching team and I on Tuesday morning will get a list of all the questions that you've provided. And we will use those questions as primers to help shape and form this series with where we're gonna be going in the coming weeks. So you probably won't get a direct answer to your question personally, but we hope to steer into it somehow, some way. And we'll talk about some of the other ways that we'll do that as well. My encouragement to you would be if you can use 4G to do this while you're here is to do that. We do have a capable wireless system here, but if 400 of us sign on at the same time and start posting questions, this will be a series on forgiveness with our IT team in the coming weeks. So if you can use 4G, great. If you need to use our system, that's fine. This is entirely anonymous. We're not tracking you. We're not going to try to track you. So whatever you post is anonymous. You'll also notice on this, if you've already gone to this, that questions have already been posed from the previous uh, um, service. And if someone posts a question that is similar to yours, I would encourage you, rather than writing another redundant question, to click on the triangle next to it because that will promote it. And that will show that a number of you have the same question. And that, of course, will help call our attention to this. And we're going to run this throughout the next six weeks each Sunday. So we'll, we'll let you know what that address is every Sunday, but that's the address for this Sunday. But let's talk about some other resources we want to make available to you. So um, we have a resource table always in the back here. And we ask that um, you take a look at that each Sunday. One of the things we're going to have for you is a two-page um, write-up on resources, on the things that we're going to be talking about here in the next six weeks. So these are books. These are websites. We want to get these resources into your hands. We also want to make ourselves accessible to you as a leadership. 
Every Sunday out in the lobby between services, we will have some of our elders and pastoral staff at a lobby information table. So the rest of us are always floating around and talking to folks, but we will make sure we've got some folks planted there so that if you have input, if you have questions, if you want to dialogue with one of us, we would welcome that and we'll have a presence out in the lobby. And I personally will be at some of those um, tables in the coming weeks when I'm not preaching. And then also, we have some discussion forums that are going to be coming your way, where we are going to take some of your questions that you're going to be texting us from the series, and as primers, we're going to start those group discussion forums in trying to answer and steer into some of those questions. And I encourage you to darken the door for one of these, at least, um, that are going to be coming up on these Sundays, October 20th and November 3rd. It'll just be down the hallway there in our room at the end of the hall. And this will be a group discussion for us to be able to process and work through things together as well. So we are trying to put in your hands as many resources as possible to make this series accessible to you. So what are we going to talk about? Well, let's go there. We're doing an overview today and laying some foundation. Next week, we will once again reset the foundation of why God's word is our filter for all things about life, but especially with our sexuality. And then we're gonna begin to get specific. We'll talk about marriage and singleness. We'll come back that next week and talk about good sex. How does God define good sex? He created it. What is it? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about same-sex relationships. Then we're also going to talk about issues of gender. And we're doing this in six weeks. We could use 36 weeks to do this. But we're choosing to, to do this in six. So I've had some questions from parents. Should I have my kids listen into this? Should I have my kids here in the auditorium on Sunday mornings? And my, I, that really is a decision for you as a parent or parents to make. But I can say this, that the last three sermons, good sex, same-sex relationships, and gender, are probably where it's going to get PG to PG-13 by design. So you'll just need to make that decision yourself, um, and we will support whatever decision you make, but we do want to put that out there for you to know, okay? So that being said, it's been said. So now, let's dive into a passage this morning. For those of you who are new to our church family or who haven't been here the last several months, we have been through and just ended a series on the book of Genesis, and it's been so rich and so good. We start a new series today, and we're reaching back into Genesis as we start it. Genesis is this vortex you cannot escape from. It's just going to pull you back in. So we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 3 and look at that together today. So while you have your phone out, if this is how you get to Scripture, open another window and go to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 15, and this is where we're going to start our series today. And I would like to pray now as we open God's Word. Lord, again, I thank you for each person here, each person listening, and ask that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would call us to your truth, you would call us to yourself, you would help us to understand your Word and to believe you and trust you and your word. God, please meet us here and thank you that you are the God who does draw near to us. And we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. So we will put this up on the screen. I'm gonna read it to you out of my Bible and then we're gonna walk our way through this passage. So this is Genesis chapter three, verses one through 15. So God has created humanity. He's created everything. He's placed them in a garden. He's told them they can eat from any tree they would like except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And now this happens. 
Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now we're going to stop there for our purposes today. If you want a more comprehensive look at Genesis 3, we just did a wonderful series on Genesis. And I encourage you to go back and listen to that sermon on Genesis 3 because it's a more comprehensive look. But today, we're looking at this story through the lens of sexuality. And there is one thing that becomes very apparent as we begin to look at this passage. When Adam and Eve choose to disobey God, to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there is a break in relationship. There is a break in right relationship with God. There's a break in right relationship with each other. But something else is also immediately broken. Did you see what it was? It was their sexuality. Previously, they had been naked and unashamed. And now they are naked and ashamed. And that's one of the commonalities that we all have is all of us start out with a broken sexuality. All of us. So think about me with the implications of that. What are the conversations that are happening in our culture right now? They are questions in no small part about orientation. Are you straight? Are you gay? Are you queer? Are you transitioning? Are you transgender? I would submit to you, they're not deep enough questions. They're not significant, significant enough questions. They are not the core questions we should be wrestling with. There's actually a deeper question from that and a deeper orientation 
that we all have. And it's this, whether you were straight, whether you were gay, whether you were transgender, whether you were queer, you're bent. All of us are bent. That is our orientation. And we all start out there. And by that we mean all of us, because of the effect of sin in this world and because of our own choices, start apart from Christ with a broken sexuality. Our orientation is towards bentness. We are bent inward. As you think about how the Bible defines brokenness, how it defines sin, there are actually a number of words that are used because it's very encompassing. We often reduce sin and brokenness to what I should do and don't and what I shouldn't do and I do. But sin is far more than what you do or don't do. Sin is an orientation of our hearts. And it is where we all start apart from Jesus Christ. We tend to make life all about us. We have this bent towards selfishness. We have this bent towards making life all about us. We have this bent towards making good things into ultimate things. So therefore, what is so important for us to understand as we begin these very necessary discussions about sexuality, we all start out in the same place, apart from Jesus Christ. We are broken in our sexuality. So therefore, it challenges another presupposition, another very common value that's talked about in our culture today, and it's this. If you have a desire, you should indulge it. If you feel something, you should experience it. You should follow it. You should indulge it. But let's take that for a test drive for a minute. Is that really true? Well, let's, let's look at our passage together. Adam and Eve are sizing up this tree. And please understand with me, God has given them blessing. He has said, eat from every tree in the garden except this one. They have all sorts of options, every other option possible but they begin to size up this tree with a lot of help from the serpent. And what does Eve in particular see as the passage is describing this to us? Well, she sees that for starters, the tree is good for food. It's pleasing to the eye, desirable for gaining wisdom. Okay, let's take that at face value for a minute. So was the tree ugly? No, actually quite the opposite. It's a good-looking tree. You ever walked by a fruit tree, been hungry, and looked at it, and gone, oh, man, that looks, that looks good. I want, it, I want that. Now, some of you don't like fruit, and I'm sorry, Doritos don't go on trees, so I can't, you know, give you that example. But this makes sense. There's nothing wrong with the tree. In fact, on the contrary, it's a beautiful tree. It's a desirable tree. Is the fruit poisonous? Is that why God said no? Which, by the way, is the million-dollar question in this. Why did God say no? Come back to that in just a second. Is it because the tree's harmful? No. It says the fruit was good. That it looked good and probably tasted really good. And it was desirable for gaining wisdom. Okay. But God tells them, even though the tree is good to look at, even though the tree probably tastes good, even though the tree is good for food, for your own good, 
you cannot have it. And they choose to have it anyway. Could it be because they were not ready for it? They weren't ready for that wisdom. And more importantly, they were not willing to trust a God who wanted to bless them. And so they eat from the tree, and now brokenness, brokenness is now their reality. Eve had help. The serpent was tempting her, was really questioning the goodness of God because what he was insinuating was saying, uh, I don't know that you can trust God with this one. I don't know that he has your best interest in mind. He's denying you something that is rightfully yours to have, so go get it. And in our culture, the voice of the serpent is still very audible and very powerful because that voice is saying unequivocally, if you want it, you should go experience it. If you feel that way, you should indulge it. So my friends, this begs the question of both you and me, this reality that we're looking at. Whose voice are you listening to this morning? Whose voice are you listening to when it comes to your sexuality? Because this underscores the reality that all desires are not created equal. That our desires need to be guided by the word of God. Because again, God's greatest desire is to bless your life and mine. When God told Adam and Eve not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he wasn't holding out on them. He was trying to protect them for something they were not ready for. And he was trying to protect them from the consequences of sin and brokenness and everything else that came with that, ultimately death. What he was trying to provide for them was blessing. They could eat from any other tree in the garden. He wanted them to be blessed, but they didn't believe him. And so this reasonably calls us to filter our desires. Not every desire is a wise one or is the path to blessing, and many are outright broken and sinful. Let me give you an example. Let's oversimplify to make that point. It's football season, right? My Oregon Ducks won yesterday over Stanford, which was soul food in and of itself. The Beavers won this week because it's a bye week. Oh, just seeing if you're with me. Just seeing if you're with me. I gotta be a little ornery. There's probably one beaver fan in the room. Um, I'm just kidding. Gosh, stop, Jay, stop. So I go home today, and I wanna watch Seattle beat the Saints. And um, I'm hungry. And I, Doritos don't grow on trees, but I love them. And I want some sweet, spicy Doritos, which are my favorite. You can also get on your phone and order that for me too. And so I decide I'm going to have some Doritos and I, you know, I begin to have a chip or two and one chip leads to many chips which leads to the whole bag. Now, wise? No, but good? Oh yeah. Yeah, and if I want my weight to go up, 
my cholesterol to go up, that is the life for me. You know, give me another bag. Good. Kinda or bad? Well, maybe not wise at the very least, but there are choices beyond that that are broken and sinful. Because if we take that further and I make food an idol or a mini-God in my life where I do eat more than I should constantly, because not because necessarily I want the food or the calories, but because I'm calming myself or, you know, I'm, and again, I'm going way out there, but basically, we can take any good thing and make it an ultimate thing, or to put it another way, we can take something that's good and disorder it or distort it. So much of sin is taking something that God intended to be good and abusing it, distorting it, using it in a way it wasn't intended with the consequences that, that follow. So therefore, our, our desires need to be guided by the word of God. And the reality that we see in this passage and the reality that we see lived out in our lives all the time is that my brokenness, my sin, does not just affect me. It affects those around me. And we'll take this for a test drive too. You get this. You intuitively get this. And one of the many things that I value about our younger generations is that they totally get this reality that what I do doesn't just affect me, that we are a community. And our choices, decisions do affect one another. We're, we're good Northwesterners. You recycle, right? A state that will go unnamed, that is near to us, I visited recently, and they do not recycle. And I was appalled. I was looking it around through my good Northwesterner lens and appalled by the fact that all this stuff is going into the landfill that could be reused and recycled. And we totally get that, at least in this part of the country, that recycling matters in part because what I do does affect you. And God has called us to steward and take care of what he's given us. In fact, that's one of the original mandates. Go back and look at Genesis chapter one. We are to steward and harness the potential of this earth and what God has given to us. There's, there's good grounds to take care of the environment. And yes, even to recycle if you wanna take it there. But see, we get this with this, but we don't connect the dots with this when it comes to sexuality. In fact, our culture has said it's just about you. It's just about consenting adults. It, you do what you choose to do and don't worry about anybody else, but that's not reality because you see sin and brokenness always affects more than just me and you. It really does affect all of us. And the irony in this story and the irony in all of this is that God wants to bless our sexuality no one wants to bless my sexuality or yours more than God. Do you believe that? Because so often we don't act like it. And once again, we'll take this for a test drive as well. So Adam and Eve have disobeyed God. They have basically said, yeah, God, you're not good. You cannot be trusted. You are holding out on us. You are withholding from us something that is rightfully ours to have. 
and so they wrong God. And their relationship with him is broken. Their relationship with one another is now broken. And their sexuality is broken. And what do they do? They hide. And for many years, I would read this passage, and I'd wrestle with it. Because it was kind of funny to me. Because I'd look at this and say, okay, God doesn't know where they are? God who created the universe, who spoke everything into existence, who created them, the God who is all-knowing, all-powerful, can't find Adam and Eve. Boy, where did I misplace those humans? Where, where did they go? But is that really what's going on here? And you know the answer. No, there's, there's so much more going on here than that. In fact, that is not a where are you physical question. That is a relational question. A question I heard from my own father many years ago by way of example. Now, I'm about to trust you with something that I know you're going to tease me about, which I think is kind of fun. But it will explain a lot of things about me for many of you as well. <laughs> when I was a little kid, I liked to eat Vitabone dog biscuits. Not the brown kind, they're kind of gross. But the multicolored kind, now we're talking. And the red ones in particular, because they were my favorite, my favorite color. Red's my favorite color. So I liked Vitabone dog biscuits, and I also liked soy sauce. And they were especially exquisite together. And so my poor mom and dad would have to hide the soy sauce and the Vitabone dog biscuits because I would find them. And I would eat them as much as I could. And many of you who are here and who will be listening online will say to yourselves, that explains a lot about Pastor Jay. That really fills in some blanks for me. So this happened for quite a while until one time I found the hiding spots. I really scored and realized this is where it's at. So I got them and I'd go to the place I always went and ran under the porch of our house and I'd eat my Vitabone dog biscuits and wash it down with soy sauce. And this went on for a long time. I think I was 36? No, just kidding. Six, six years old. I added 30 years. And on this one occasion, after I'd found the hiding spot and was going to town on these dog biscuits and soy sauce, my dad came out and stood right above me as I'm underneath him, hiding under the porch. And he said, where are you? Where are you, Jay? My friends, he knew exactly where I was. It was a question of relationship. And that's what this question is of Adam and Eve. And it is the question that this amazing relational God who sees us in all our brokenness, who takes the initiative to come to us, is asking you and I this morning, where are you? And as you read on in the story, this amazing God who has done no wrong, by the way, who owes them nothing but the punishment and consequences of what they've done in disobeying him, instead initiates and comes looking for them 
leads them into confession. And how does Adam do with that? Adam says, this woman that you gave me, so this is your fault, that's the meta message, this woman that you gave me is defective, take her back. (laughs) This is her fault. Eve actually does quite well. And she says, the serpent deceived me, which he did. And then notice, the serpent, and we didn't read this, but it's in the passage, for those of you who are familiar with it, the land both get cursed, but not Adam and Eve. They get punished, and rightfully so, but they don't get cursed. In fact, what God does is he comes to them in their broken identity now, and he gives them a new one. He covers their shame. And he extends his grace to them. My friends, we have to understand and appreciate that the narrative that our culture spins about our God is this vengeful, condemning, hateful God is so far from the truth of who he is. Do we realize and appreciate that when God comes looking for us and says, where are you? He knows that we're broken. He knows that we're hiding from him. He knows that we're ashamed. He knows that we're guilty. And yet he comes to us and says, do you want to stay that way? Or do you want to believe me for something better? That's what he does with Adam and Eve. That's what he does with us. Because you see, there is hope for each one of us. Because this God is the God who offers freedom, healing, and hope. And this reality is embedded in this passage, not just for Adam and Eve, but for you and me as well. Because there's a promise here that someday one will come who is going to right all wrongs, who's gonna restore things to the way God always intended them to be. And that one has come, and it is Jesus Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection And now he is in the process of redeeming and restoring and renewing and fixing everything that's broken. And for those of us who know him and love him, we are called to join him in that mission. That is our purpose as the church, to redeem and restore and to fix whatever we can that's broken in this world around us. Because someday Jesus will come back and this God will fully right all wrongs. He will restore things to the way they always intended to be. If you want to read to the end of an incredibly good book, the very best book you will ever read, read the book of Revelation. We start out in a garden in Genesis. We will end in a garden in right relationship with God and one another in Genesis. And that's a profound hope. But it's a reality for the here and now. This freedom, this forgiveness, this redemption that we're talking about is yours and mine to have now and into the future. Because another narrative that will be spun and that you'll hear is that what you need is religion. Subscribe to this code, do this, don't do that, follow these rituals, and that is what's going to save you from your brokenness. But that really accomplishes one of two things. It can modify your behavior and change your behavior, but it doesn't perform the role of a savior. It's not a deep enough change. You may be a better person, but you're not a new person. 
Or you can subscribe to morality, which, again, our culture prolifically does. Do you know, and you do know, the answer to this question, if you've heard any of my sermons the last several years on New Year's Sunday, what is the most popular, hands-down New Year's resolution that people make? Every year, I want to be a better person. I'm going to be a good person. I want to be a better person. Okay, again, that will modify some behavior, but it won't change you from the inside out. The only thing that will change you and me from the inside out is a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, who not only comes into your life through the power of his Holy Spirit, but gives you a new heart. You have a rebirth. The Bible calls it being born again. You emerge as a new person who still struggles with brokenness, who until Jesus comes back or we go to be with him will continue to struggle with brokenness, but there is healing and freedom and forgiveness that can be yours and mine to have. Because you see, many years ago, when I was at college, I found myself in a storage room. And this storage room, long story, was basically where you put everything when you went off to school that, that you didn't know what to do with. And so I'm standing in this storage room, and here's this magazine. I don't know who it belonged to. It doesn't matter, but it's sitting on top of all this stuff. I think it was a penthouse or Playboy. It was one of the two. It was, it was a pornographic magazine. And I started to look at it. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was very clear it was the voice of God. I heard this very line. Where are you? I'm in the storage room, God. That's not the question. Where are you? And I quickly realized not where I want to be. And I put that magazine down. And in the 30 years that's happened since then, I've never looked at another magazine, never wanted to go online to go looking for that, never have. God freed me from that. I believe this because I've experienced it. And I know many of you have as well. Now, in all fairness, sometimes the healing, freedom, forgiveness journey doesn't look like that. Sometimes you battle something like that every day of your life and you find the the freedom and the healing and the forgiveness in the process and the beginning of each new day. So this looks differently for all of us, but the reality is still the same. And if there's nothing you walk away from the next six weeks with, please walk away with this truth and this reality because it can be yours. There is healing and freedom and forgiveness that you can have through right relationship with Jesus Christ. So that is why our worship team is going to come and we're gonna worship this God who knows where we are in our brokenness but who still comes to us and offers us a way out through his grace, through his mercy, through his forgiveness. What do you do with a God like that? You worship him, you trust him, you love him and you follow him and that's what we're gonna do. Jesus, thank you that you are that God, the God who sees us in our brokenness and rather than letting us stay in our shame and guilt, 
and our misgivings and our regrets, God, you come to us because our brokenness attracts your, gra- uh, your grace. And God, you promise us something better if only we'll believe and trust you. So God, would we? Would we trust you to do the impossible? Would we trust you to be the God who you say that you are? And would you speak to us in these coming weeks as you have spoken to us today? And we thank you that you love us. We sing and celebrate that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Because he is the unstoppable God, 2 Corinthians reminds us of this. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we don't any longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. Would we now go live that reality out as we trust and follow him? Let me pray his blessing over you. God, I thank you for each person here, each person who is listening in our online community. God, thank you that you are the God who calls us out of darkness into light. You are the God who won't allow us to settle for brokenness or empty religion or even morality. You make us new from the inside out through the power of your Holy Spirit. So God, would we now go live the life of blessing that you call us to and that you give us the power to live out. Thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you've been here and you go with us now in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net.